0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, before we get started with this episode, just wanted to uh, drop a little bit of uh warning. This is one of those share episodes, and while we are very happy that uh, we got to meet with so many people and record it share uh the you know the audio quality is not quite up to our standards, our usual standards uh it's still a, a great episode. there's lots to be learned from it, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit echoey, a little bit uneven uh, did what we could, but you know. We think you're at least getting your money's worth out of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and before we start, it would be good to, you know, uh, plug our sponsor, right? Yes, yes, we have a sponsor. Hard to believe that somebody would pay us for this. Shh, we want to get more. Oh, Sorry, yeah. Yeah, being at Poughkeepsie, uh, we really get an opportunity to talk to a lot of really cool technical people. Also, the ones we meet at conferences like SHARE give us a um, great opportunity. Rubbing shoulders with geniuses. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, but you actually uh, as our listeners have an opportunity to get in touch with some of these people as well, right? This new program, Jeff.
0: Right. You don't you don't have to wait for us to have somebody on Terminal Talk to find out like the skinny on uh, you know <laughs> what you're working on. There's this this great new program called Expert Advice Expert Advice for Z. Um, you go to IBM.biz slash Z underscore consult and you you fill out this form it really couldn't be easier you say um i'm working on this i'm stuck on this i need some help this is the time when i'm available and uh ibm will get you uh give you a call back pair you up with the expert who's going to be able to help you out and you know this help you get unstuck this is not a replacement for opening up a defect or your ibm rep or anything like that it's just a way of kind of uh Moving things along and, you know, getting you in touch with somebody who's going to be passionate about, uh, you know, helping you out a little bit.
1: Yeah, and uh, you'll notice uh, when you check this out that you'll be talking to our kind of people. People who've been on Terminal Talk, people like Anthony Sophia, uh, Rosalind Radcliffe. Top-tier Terminal Talk alumni. Yeah, people that you actually want to talk to. You you wouldn't get, you know, time with Frank and Jeff. No. No, No. real people. Real people.
0: Yeah, real people Real Solutions. Expert <laughs> advice for Z, ibm.biz slash Z underscore
1: consult. And now on to our conversation with Mark Cocker and Chris Poole. Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe related topics. I'm Frank. I'm Jeff. And we're here with two kicks guys. I was going to say two old Kix guys, but there's only one old Kix guy and one young kicks guy.
0: I don't see age.
1: That's the first time. So uh, could you guys introduce yourselves? I think that would be a little bit easier. Chris? Yeah,
2: sure. So hi, I'm Chris Poole. Um, I'm a software engineer. I used to be in the Kix team in Hursley. I've moved on to different things the past several months, but I've spent a number of years in the Kix team.
1: And also a key moderator of the mainframe subreddit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the mainframe subreddit, uh, I spent quite a bit of time there, tried to start a number of different... Ask Me Anything sessions there.
1: Yeah.
0: Also a top-tier Terminal Talk subscriber.
2: That's true.
1: That's true. (laughs)
0: Top-tier.
1: Got to hear those episodes that nobody else could. Yeah.
0: They were really good, weren't they? Uh,
3: Sure. (laughs) 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 And then Mark? Yes. Hi. I'm Mark Cocker. So I'm a software engineer in the Kix development team in Hursley. So, yeah, I'm perhaps one of the old guys because I've been with Kix for the last 27 years or so.
1: That's... That's sizeable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's almost older than you are, right? We'll go with that. <laughs> we're all we're all getting up there, yeah, age, you know. So let me start first, guys. Uh, what the heck is Kix and why should I care?
2: So in old money, um, so Kicks is a transaction server. Um, it deals with transactions. Um, these days, I think we tend to brand it as a application server. We like to view it as the world's best mixed-language application server because it supports a number of different languages. Um, but it still,
0: funda- still fundamentally is a transaction server. So I've, I write an application. It does a thing. I'm happy with my program. Where does Kix come into this?
2: Um, so the idea is that what Kix does is it brings to the table the all kind of the... Um, complex part of the operation so you should be able to write your application and say I want to, as part of this transaction take some cash from here or withdraw cash from here, from this account um, but what happens if it goes wrong? What happens if there's an issue as you're doing this, as you're halfway through the transaction? You need to be able to back that out and move this cash back to where it originally was, all that kind of stuff um, so what Kix does is it handles all that logic for you, so you can easily have that just you know, The complexity is taken away, basically.
0: So instead of having to write that and do all the stuff that I don't want to do, I get to say, hey, Kix, handle this?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Anything else?
3: Yeah, so um, I, I guess Kix um, is, is coming up now for uh, 50 years old next year. Wow. Um, so the original sort of uh, types of applications being written, um, uh, you had developers who wanted to write very simple business logic using... Uh, uh, compilers like COBOL, and they wanted very simple ways of connecting with databases using SQL. Um, so Kix really allows all of the sort of resource managers, so maybe maybe DB two, maybe uh, MQ, maybe VSAM, and allows um, that application to have very simple APIs to connect to that data and then draw everything together in a single transaction, potentially. And as Chris was saying, take out the complexity. So when you're reading that application, it's very simple to look at, to understand, to maintain.
1: And over the years, you guys have added more and more services to do new and different things, right? Mm -hmm. Would you say that uh, the stuff that's being done today is more complex than... The, those original, you know, managed transaction? Or would you say that w- what you're doing now is more nuance of stuff that's already there?
3: Um, so the, I think the back-end sort of logic to handle the data and, if you like, the business side of how that data is connected to the business is, um, is very much the same these days. What's changed is is that front-end piece, so how to engage with customers um, so we 've moved away from obviously sort of a, a, um, a client server architecture in the past um, to much more uh, um, applications that run on mobile devices on websites um, and even you know these days uh, you know inside a speaker if you like um, and so all of these different front end applications that are coming in now. Um there's a new breed of developers writing those applications and looking to use their skills to not only write the front end bit of the application, but also uh, more of the back end. So from a Kix point of view, we want to bring the skills of those developers onto the mainframe and and allow them to, you know, be productive.
1: Now uh is Kix always been done in Hursley? Did it start in Hursley or um so uh, yes yeah, so um so
3: so as a heritage uh, uh kicks um, started off in the US um, and uh, after a few years um, it became productized um so rather than being written specifically for one vendor one application um it, it was commercialized into a product and at that stage it was moved over to Hursley, um to to be developed. Um, into a, a broader appeal, um, transaction server as it is today. Um, so yeah, we've we've seen obviously many generations uh, of 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 Kicks new versions coming out, and um, I think one thing Kix has always been good at is is leading the way to bring new technology to the mainframe um, to attract developers. So where the mainframe comes out with these great new widgets and it does all these new things that's no good unless you can try and bring the developers on board to write applications and make use of that. And that's where Kix, I think, really um, does uh, you know, bring value.
1: So uh, being from Hursley, you guys can answer this question. Is it Kix or is it CICS? I think it's Kix. Um, it depends where you go to. At one time,
2: when I used to come over to the U.S. to present, I kind of subconsciously would start saying CICS in the U.S., um, but I pretty much just stick to kicks now, I think.
1: And, and what does CICS stand for? Customer Information Control System,
3: um, although it is, I don't know, we never really think about it as that anymore, I don't Yeah, think. these days, as they as they say, it's, it's not an acronym, it's, it's what we do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you happen to remember or can we talk about what customer or what that first application um of c i c s was
3: that Spawned this? I've got no idea. It's long before okay. my time. Yeah, it, uh, it was a US utility company. Huh. Um, I think it was a water company, but I, I could be wrong there. Um, <laughs> you know, there are some things that. Actually, uh, that makes sense. Originally it was called PU
2: Kicks, Public Utility Kicks. Yeah. Huh. So maybe it was for some kind of water company or something. Let's go yeah. with that.
1: Yeah. 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 There's nobody here that will say that's a um, lot. <laughs> I'm sure someone will write in to correct <laughs> I'm glad that. somebody changed it from PU Kicks, though. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have been doing this, you've been doing this, Mark, for a long time. Chris, you you actually been working on it for for a few years too, right?
3: Um,
2: about four years now, yeah. So I joined IBM um, outside of the mainframe organization in 2012. Um, after about 18 months or so, I moved into the Kix team um, towards the end of 2013. And then until mid-last year, I was in the Kix team.
1: So what are you doing now?
2: Um, so I moved across to kind of work on system of record integration with blockchain for a while um, the thing we didn't speak of <laughs> at the um, that was quite good and then the thing that I'm doing right now um, is kind of like an, an extension of that really so then we moved on to think about this technology called HyperProtect um, in this sense so it's an IBM cloud branded set of services. Um, The thing we're doing in in Hursley in particular is this thing called HyperProtect Containers. So the idea is to have a standard Kubernetes runtime like we have in IBM Cloud, Um, but we're going to put it on the mainframe using this technology called Secure Service Containers, um, which basically allows us to encrypt it and protect against certain attack vectors, basically.
1: But you're not doing that in case
2: we're not in that kicks now but kicks can, can still come into it because ultimately this might just just be a microservice somewhere and you might want to call out from kicks to the microservice or the other way around um there's there's been a general move in the last few years to acknowledge that At some point, Kix and DB2 maybe as the storage was the back of this application, right? You'd call through all all these different loops and you'd end up in Kix. It would do the little transaction. It would write stuff to DB2 or VSAM and then it would go all the way back. Whereas now, Kix is no longer that thing at the end. It's often something in the middle and it's calling out to external services. Um, The last thing I did before I moved out of the Kix org was to do the asynchronous API. And part of that was to be able to 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 cater for this kind of change, that you need to be able to work out, what if this external service um, isn't performing well? You know, what if it's taking too long? We don't want to have to be sat waiting for this thing to be unreliable, so we need to be able to do things to be able to cope against that. And the async was the stuff that came out of that.
0: What uh, what's being done with kicks? Like obviously, you know, you walk into uh, an account. And you say, you know, are you using Kicks or the other thing? And there's always an answer. Um, what, what can be done or what is being done to uh, educate uh, people on what you can do in, in a Kicks type environment?
3: Like for, for new types of businesses, um so we've got um a, a lot of material that's um, sort of aimed at uh, new- newcomers to 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 kicks um, so maybe a, a new systems programmer that's um, taking on that role in fact i, I just met some uh, some folks here at the share conference who who, who are in that um, and so that kind of material we we're providing from a sort of range of red books but also um, we're providing podcasts. We're providing support on different websites, like uh, um, you know, like the Developer Mainframe site, um, and we're providing series of uh, videos. So, um, just uh, you know, what is kick? So, very much introductory material, um, broken down into sort of five, ten-minute type um, uh, videos that are consumable. Um, for for someone who's uh, perhaps heard about it, perhaps been an application developer in the past and, and are taking on that role. The thing that, we, that we've been trying to do is, as well is to get more blogs out.
2: Um, so if you go to kickstev, developer.ibm.com. Um, you can read a lot of blogs, and that will be regularly updated. And then instead of just having the code in the blog post, right. we've been putting the code on GitHub as Apache 2 license, so it's, in, it's completely open source. Um and the nice thing about that is that at one time, I think the idea was that you go and read the manual, or you know these, these days you go and read the Knowledge Center, and then you're just kind of left to your own devices to try and work out how to do something. Whereas if you start with some existing program that you know works, you just have to, have to take that code, compile it on your system, and you can run it, and then at least it gets you somewhere to get started from, which is a lot more powerful. Um, so now we've yeah we've we've got lots of examples for Java
0: and Node.js, lots of Cobol examples all on GitHub. So if, if somebody is uh, you know a sysprog or whatever and they just hear this stuff about Kicks, but you know it's just a, a job they start and you know make sure it's up every once in a while. How can somebody start learning? Would you would you recommend starting with the blogs and the podcasts? Yeah,
2: the blogs and podcasts, that kind of stuff is good. Uh, there's also a number of good red books as well that I would recommend. Uh, there's there's an O'Reilly textbook from mm-hmm. around 2001, wow. um, which is kind of outdated because yeah. it's a number of years old now. Um, but it's surprisingly still pretty good to be able to learn the basics from because Kix has, Kix has been going for so long that all, all the basics haven't been changed for a long time, and you can still learn. You know what is a definition, what's the program, what's a transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, those things haven't changed for thirty years plus.
1: So let's say I, I wrote you know, an application uh, thirty years ago. Okay. Stop laughing. Uh, how hard would it be to take that application and make it? Useful in the in the new modern world.
2: Um, so it depends what you want to do, but presumably you may want to just expose it to other interfaces or something like that. Um, so if that was written in PL one or COBOL, um, which are probably our two most popular languages, I think for our customers to write programs in. Um, you're going to want to expose that somehow. Uh, there's this other product we have called Z-West Connect, and the idea behind that is to be able to expose different services on the mainframe as RESTful JSON interfaces. So you get something coming in, RESTful JSON, and it will do the transform so that your program on the back end in Kix or DB2, for example, or IMS, Um the product whose name we did not speak. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yep. I was going to say, we got to say... <laughs> <laughs> I can edit this up. So. so then
2: basically you don't have to make code changes. You can just say, okay, that's going to do the, the transform. It knows what kind of data it's, ac- it's accepting on the com area or on the channels and containers. Um, and then it can go back and US connect or do the transform on the other way out. Um, if you didn't want to do that, you can... Write your own code. So, we support Java in Kix, and we have things like the Access to JVM server. So, you, you can easily have this thing within your Kix region that can take the RESTful JSON your, yourself if you're prepared to write some of that code, and that can do
3: the transform. Yeah, or, or indeed, we have uh, the Liberty environment as well that can run inside of Kix. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, it depends where your skills are and whether you want to use a sort of tooling approach like CS Connect where you don't write any code. You're literally importing copybooks, using a nice graphical wizard mm-hmm. to, to to create the right binaries that, that are used at runtime for the transform, uh, or you can write code like Java or, or um, you know other languages. I mean, k- kicks
0: and Cobol is kind of like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it's it's almost if for a while uh, you would think it was one word. I'm like, <laughs> what are your uh, kicks and Cobol like? Is is that the majority of uh, the environments, or is it is Java becoming one of the more prevalent ones?
2: Java is definitely becoming a lot more prevalent. Um, so we also support C plus plus and C. <laughs> we do we do support C plus We support C. We support assembler. Um, a number of different customers will write a lot of stuff in assembler, or maybe they take these programs that need to be really performant and they write that in assembler. Everything else in COBOL. Um, and I think there's a bit of a, a divide between the U.S. and Europe in COBOL and PL1.
3: Yeah, uh, certainly the a lot of our European customers um, uh, uh, use PL1 quite extensively. Um, and, and exclusively sometimes, you know, they will, they will uh, actively um, uh, not like to use COBOL, shall we say. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, there's, there's probably 50% of our customers are using Java at the moment. Um, so I think what happens is... Um, as the mix of skills in our customers changes over time, um, we'll find new applications being written using new skills and new languages. But the great thing about Kicks is it, it doesn't devalue those applications that have been written in the past. So that mix and match and uh, um, taking the right approach for that particular application—you know, be it very performance-sensitive, or be it something uh, very sort of Java-based because it's web you know, kind of web skills. Um, That mix-and-match approach means that everyone can happily live in in the same, you know,
1: environment. Do I pay a performance penalty for running Java in Kix over COBOL PL1?
3: Yes. So the the mainframe, as as you uh, uh, may be aware, has um, hardware assist to run Java applications. So um, and, and also over time, there have been new instruction sets that have been introduced into the hardware that are specifically geared towards executing Java in a performant way. So, yes, in the past, you know, 20 years ago, Java on the mainframe, um, was executing slower than COBOL. But these days, not only is, is Java executing, you know, really well, but it can be um, run on these special engines which have different pricing structures around them, and that means it, it can actually be cheaper to run those applications than to run the equivalent in other languages. Yeah, so I think the SIMD
2: instructions came in in the Z13, mm-hmm. um, which helped with performance, and in the Z14 they did some stuff to be able to help the garbage collection times. So obviously Java is a Java, a garbage-collected language, um, so you have to occasionally see this spike where things get paused, where it, you know, it collects the objects that aren't being used anymore, um, and there's some work in the Z14 to reduce that time. Um, I, I believe
0: the term is pause-less. Pause-less, yeah. No, so not pause-less. Not less, pause less. Not pauses, no. no. <laughs> Heavens no. Why would you think that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned before, or I thought you mentioned before, uh, Chris, that you can do Node,
2: yeah, so um, something that we've introduced, um, this actually goes back to what Mark was saying right at the start of the podcast, um, that we're always trying to keep up with the latest languages and use cases for kicks and requirements. Um, one thing that we've recently done that's in the 5.5 open beta right now, actually I think Mark's going to present later today <laughs> at Share, if you ha- happen to be at Share. <laughs> <laughs> or likely if you're listening and, back to this and podcast. have a time machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, is no JS support basically? So um, this is again going. It's going back to recognizing that the developers that write the front end of these different applications, they may know JavaScript and they may using, be using JavaScript to write the front end pieces of their application. Right. Um, but could you use that language across the whole stack? and that means can you write it in the server-side component as well. Node.js has been really popular in the distributed world for exactly that reason, that you can take this one language and you can run it in lots of different places. Um, And now we've got Node.js on Z and we've got support for it within the Kix environment as well. It's actually what makes Kicks really powerful, I think, that you can have these different programs written in different languages um, because we have this thing called the Kicks API. So you can say Kicks link and then just name an, another program to link to. Um, it doesn't really matter what that other language is in. You can hop across. Um, there's a few differences. You can't quite do that with Java every time, um, depending on how you, div- you define it. If you have your Kix program in, Liberty, you need to do something a touch different, but we've even got that kind of support. So in 5.3, I think we introduced Link to Liberty, Mm -hmm. um, which allows you to take a COBOL program and literally link across to a Java program, and then that thing can hop back. Um, It can do all kinds of things.
1: Can can you describe why I'd want to run the Liberty in Kex as opposed to outside of Kex? Good question. Yes, so... um,
3: the, the Liberty environment um, provides
1: a, a, a sort of
3: higher-level set of APIs for developers. Um, so if they want to access databases in a transactional way, um, that that's not provided as part of the standard Java APIs. It's provided as part of what they refer to as JTA, the Java Transactional APIs. Um, and there are other kinds of enterprise services like that to access uh, messages, with, referred to as JMS. Um, and so those Java enterprise APIs, that uh, JEE APIs as you sometimes refer to, um, is sometimes referred to, is provided for by a product that IBM has open sourced recently, actually called uh, Liberty. And so that's a runtime that sits on top of Java that provides all of these Java EE APIs, and we quickly saw the nice synergy between the Java environment, those enterprise APIs, and running those inside of Kicks, uh, because it gives a way it gives you a way of um, writing applications that can run on different platforms. So maybe it was originally running in, say, a Linux environment, and you can take those same um, applications um, as they're currently packaged and deploy them into Kix, and they they will run um, just fine in the the Kix environment. So it allows you to potentially co-locate those applications from other platforms into the mainframe environment and run them with the data that they are accessing as as a local set of services. So you, you get the performance benefit and you also get the co location, which can give you management benefits because you're not managing several environments that need to interconnect over networks. You're, you're sort of simplifying the environment and the architecture. So Yeah, that's the that's the
2: powerful thing really that um, if you're in a shop where you've got Kicks running and you get asked to, um, you know, we need to run Liberty for Java, um, then you need just to try and work out, okay, well, it's a separate address space. How do I define this? How do I install these things from a sysproc point of view? It's a whole new process of things to learn of how to deploy and manage this new thing. Whereas if you have... WebSphere Liberty in Kicks—it's um, just another resource, basically. And if you're already mm-hmm. used to deploying things like Kicks bundles, you can define your WebSphere server within the Kicks bundle, and it's just a you know business as usual type thing. It's not much harder. So if, if you've already got sysprogs or your Kicks sysprogs that are used to doing that, it's
0: just another thing. So if I if I've uh, in the past couple of years written a Node.js program, it's out there on a cloud somewhere. And uh, I'm running into scalability issues, something like that. Now, you know, I have an opportunity to run this on Z. Um, and I find out that I can actually integrate my Node.js with, with Kix. What are the steps involved, or who should I call? You know, what do I do to, to, to start that process of making it into a, a, a big boy program? <laughs>
3: yeah, so um, uh, the ability to run Node, um, Node.js applications in Kix is, is part of a beta program at the moment. Right. But um, I, I like to so, live dangerously, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> absolutely. So um, what will typically happen is you'll have the source code for that application on a source code management um, system, maybe Git, for example, uh, within your organization. Right. Um, and um, you, you can simply uh, – Git is now supported on ZOS as are a lot of open source tools. In fact, thank you, Rocket. Um,
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes,
3: thanks to uh, to Vendor Rocket. Um, so you can use um, you can install Git as an example on on ZOS um, and do a Git pull for that project. Um, and because it's a Node application, you typically need to um, I- install other packages. So there's a, another tool that comes with Node called npm, and that can be used to install those dependencies uh, on the file system on zos and at that point um, if you have the ibm sdk for node um, you can then execute you can run that application in in a batch environment from the command line um, on z and um, if if everything's going well with the application you can then uh, create a Kicks bundle and point to that application from that Kicks bundle, and install that inside the Kicks uh, address space. Okay, and then it can be managed by Kix systems programmer by simply installing that Kicks resource, that Kicks bundle. So when they enable that resource, the application will be stood up and running inside the Kicks address space, and when you disable the resource, it, it's taken down. So that would not be the ideal DevOps pipeline (laughs) to build and deploy an application, but at its simplest form, you know, it's a matter of moving the source code, um, installing its dependencies, um, checking it works fine on ZOS, which it it should do, but um, there are some dependencies out there which have natives written in C code, so as those are downloaded and compiled there is a slight chance, uh, you know, that that, that there may be some issues there. But providing those dependencies install fine, then it'll run absolutely fine on ZOS.
1: Awesome. So we're running a little low on time, uh, but I I can't let you guys get away without answering this question. Yep. (laughs) So why is Kix better than, say, IMS?
0: Or a train, which I could also afford. (laughs)
3: Uh, I th- I think that's uh, you, uh that's you, a difficult got us stumped. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: uh, 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 so, uh, so IMS, the reality yes. is that a lot of people do use both right there, there are some shops that will only use Kicks or some that use IMS and I know a number of customers that use both for different reasons. Um IMS is different in that it integrates the database and stuff like that right whereas Kicks there is no such integration if if you want a database you well, go separate to right except except for vSAM, yeah but Yeah. Yeah,
1: And we should yeah. probably have this Sam person on. Yeah, oh, that'd, that'd be a good idea. idea. That'd be good.
3: <laughs> yeah, so IMS is is um, is, is really two, uh, there's two parts to IMS. One is a transaction manager and one is a database. So in essence, we have a lot of Kix customers who use the IMS database portion, um, uh, uh, but customers will tend to run one transaction manager or, or another. And sometimes that's just, Due to its to the heritage of the customer and their skill set, but also there are some industries like the airline industry mm. that um, are exclusively, you know, sort of deploying uh, IMS-based applications uh, due to their sort of integration within the industry. But uh, dare I say it, there are many other industries where where kicks is used in preference because there's a lot more flexibility needed for applications. Um, and as I say, Kix has always led the way in terms of bringing those. New skills and vitality to the platform, but maybe I'm biased.
1: So I was going to say, and you have heard it here first. Uh, uh, the kicks, the kicks guys say that their stuff blows IMS away because it's better on every front. That's what I heard.
0: You might want to check your ears. Uh, <laughs> but what I did notice is every time they mentioned IMS, uh, they uh, held their nose and made these stinky motion. Yeah. The <laughs> there was a lot of cringing. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of cringing. The, the coupling of IMS to a database seems to be the, the takeaway from the, the key difference I think so I mean I don't really know much about IMS at all but uh,
2: there's, there's a number of differences um, but like Mark says I think it, it depends what you want to get out of it and what you're trying to do but a lot of shops use both because they bring different things to the table
1: cool well uh, thank you guys for being part of this this has been awesome you're welcome
0: thanks Frank thanks Jeff thank you for coming all the way here just for this (laughs) so where's Charlie
1: (laughs) he's over there in the closet that's where we keep him do you want to do the honors Uh, no no I'll I'll leave it to you old man Charlie run us out you've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.